Welcome to Hospitality Forward, a podcast where hospitality and travel professionals learn how to earn the media spotlight. My name is Hannah Lee. I am president of Hannah Lee Communications, an award-winning public relations agency in New York City. And I'm Michael Ann Stendig, a food and beverage writer and editor-in-chief at Hannah Lee Communications. As a PR professional myself and Michael as a journalist, we understand the power of media coverage and its impact on someone's career and business. So each week, we interview top journalists who share their insights and tips. In this episode, we chat with Wendy Gillette, an anchor for CBS News Radio, as well as a correspondent, anchor, and producer for CBS Newspath that provides national and international stories to CBS television stations. Also, stay tuned for our HLC Innovation Report at the end of this episode to find out who's moving hospitality forward. Hi, Wendy. So great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks for having me. So for our listeners who may not be that familiar with uh, the broadcast world, can you explain what an anchor is versus a producer versus a reporter and what those jobs mean both on camera and off camera? Okay. Yes. Well, I do a lot of different things. Uh, I'm a jack of all trades in the industry, which is a little bit unusual. A lot of people in the industry are either on camera or off camera and don't usually go between the two worlds. Um, and a lot of times you're not radio and TV, and I do both. So uh, in the radio world, let's start there. I'm a radio anchor. So I work for CBS News as a radio anchor. And so we do top of the hour newscasts for 700 affiliates all across the country, top of every hour, 24 hours a day. And we also do one-minute newscasts at the bottom of the hour, and I anchor those. So obviously, I am the broadcaster that you hear on the radio, and I also write those newscasts. And I work in tandem with a copy editor who is setting up the tapes that I am going to wrap around. So I'm responsible for writing around the tapes that they set up for me. So they're kind of um, setting up the order of the newscast. And it's a collaborative affair. So we talk about what we should lead with, what the most important stories are, and what we think should be included. But uh, a lot of times they're kind of responsible for um, the rundown. And then I am writing around that. And it's a very crazy shift because I'm usually doing six top of the hour newscasts and five bottom of the hour um, one minute newscasts. And it's kind of like a hamster on a wheel once you start the newscasts and then you're going like crazy trying to keep up with the news end if there's breaking news right before the newscast and during the newscast, you have to also try to fit that all in. And you also have exactly two minutes and 48 seconds to do the first part of the uh, hourly, and then it goes to a break. So you have exactly two minutes and 48 seconds. When I say this is a challenging job, it's a very challenging job. And to be right and correct and get your information um, out to people and try to also um, be a compelling writer and and uh, tell it in a way that is uh, informative, but also um, uh, keeps people uh, 
entertained in a way with the bottom of the uh, newscast. You want to have a fun story. But the most important thing is to to give people uh, up to the minute information that is accurate. And it's it's not easy. Uh, so that's the anchor aspect of things. Um, and behind the scenes, there's the copy editor. So that's the uh, radio side. And then on the TV side, I am sometimes a fill-in anchor at the New York Stock Exchange um, that's doing business reports from Wall Street. Right now, no one uh, in the media is allowed on the stock exchange floor because of the pandemic. But usually, uh, in better times, I'm from the stock exchange floor and doing sometimes consumer stories and uh, financial stories, the latest headlines uh, about the business world, uh, stocks, how stocks are, are heading. Um, I'm also a producer, writer, editor. That's a, we call it a hyphenate for Newspath. And that's for all the um, affiliates. This is TV, TV um, affiliates. So every city in the country usually has a CBS and ABC and NBC Fox affiliate, and they provide national and international stories to their local uh, news uh, viewers. So every network has an affiliate news service that provides that national and international news um, to the local affiliates. So I work for Newspath, which is that uh, affiliate news service for CBS. So in that role, I'm a producer, writer, editor, um, and that is uh, putting together stories, the the big stories of the day, and that could be whatever is going on, that could be a hurricane, it could be um, what's happening in Washington, or, and then I'm also doing a new travel series, and that is, I'm reporting it, um, and shooting it, and writing it, and coming up with the stories, and doing that all over the world, that's called Travel Tuesday, so that's the reporter component. So sounds like you are a superwoman. I mean, from anchoring to writing to editing to producing. I mean, uh, you wear a lot of hats. Yeah, I do a lot. I, I kind of lose track of all the jobs I do. I, I one time I actually wrote down a list of all the jobs that I do, and it was like nine jobs. It was kind of ridiculous. It would overwhelm mere mortals, but you, you do it very gracefully. And and I, I'd also add that, you know, you're dealing with very different kinds of media, TV, radio, online. So what's it like telling stories for these very different media? Do you have to change how you sell stories? Uh, how do you how you structure them? What's what's your approach to speaking three different languages, essentially? Yeah, there is definitely a different way you tell the stories. Radio stories are extremely short. They're usually only 30 seconds. And uh, the sound bites, um, that's very short clips from um, people's interviews. They are very, very tight, very short. You could use a soundbite from someone that's maybe only two seconds or three seconds. So you have to write extremely tight. Um, in TV, it's more about the pictures. You're obviously you're marrying your words with what's on the screen. So you're thinking visually, uh, and then digitally, it's a whole different kind of audience. Sometimes it's a younger audience and, uh, the stories sometimes move more quickly. You have to think about graphics and, uh, that's something I'm still kind of learning about. Uh, we try to use closed captioning so that people can, um, read the story and look at the pictures on their phone. Um, 
and also uh, think about graphics and, and making it visually interesting for someone who, say, is looking at their phone on the subway or, um, you know, maybe paying attention to several different things at the same time. You have to catch people's eye uh, very quickly. Fascinating stuff. You've traveled to more than 60 countries. And even during the pandemic, you recently traveled to Maldives, Mexico, Las Vegas, and more. So what do you like most about travel? Oh, I like everything about travel. I love learning about how people live differently than I do and seeing um, different cultures and different ways of being. And I think that only when you see other cultures and other ways um, can you really understand the world and diversify yourself and and uh, really understand your place in the world. And um, I think if you don't travel, you are robbing yourself of one of life's great pleasures and uh, opportunities. Uh, one of my um, great purposes is really to spread the message of travel and how important it is and that you can travel. But I think the pandemic has shown us that if you don't do things now, you don't know going to happen. And I think we need to seize what the time we have now, because we do not know what is going to happen next. And the world is rich and travel is one of the only things that um, it's so much more valuable than anything you can buy because it changes you. Uh, yeah, it's a transformative experience. Mm -hmm. So how has the pandemic changed your travel habits? Oh, well, it's it's changed everything. I, I have to be a lot, of course, a lot more careful. And it was a battle to decide whether we should travel, uh, of course. And I think it's very much a personal decision. Um, and we were very hesitant to start. Uh, this was in June and we took baby steps first, as everyone else did at the beginning of the pandemic. Should we go out to eat? Should we have a drink outside? You know, everyone, when you crawled out of your apartment for the first time. Said, oh, my goodness gracious. Like, right. a dream. the world is still out there. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, it seems so uh, scary. Um, but once we started to do it, we started to see um, that we felt if we took precautions and wore masks and avoided places like bars um, and crowded situations that we felt that we were okay. Not everyone is comfortable traveling right now, so it's a, for some it's just ideas for the future. <laughs> Absolutely, we could all we could all dream certainly, but let's let let's circle back for a moment to uh, Travel Tuesday. What what was the inspiration for that series? How did it how did it come about, and how do you get your stories? I started travel journalism, um, doing some writing for magazines. Uh, I would say about five years ago. And uh, that just came about because I love to travel and I'm a journalist. And I said, huh, well, I'm a journalist and I'm a traveler. So why don't I do both? It's kind of silly that I'm not doing that. So then I uh, was going to Vietnam and I started to think more about doing broadcast stories. And so I came up with a pitch for my uh, news director at the time, and it was the 50-year anniversary of the ground war in Vietnam. And I said, hey, I'm going to be in Vietnam. What do you think about me trying to do something 
in Vietnam. And my small story became more and more ambitious. And then it became a three-part series. Uh, the camera wasn't great. The tripod was a piece of crap and like kept breaking. And Vietnam, it was rainy season. And so we got rained on. I was with a friend and it was pretty hellacious, the conditions, but um, came back, put together a good series. It got picked up by about a hundred stations ran um one or all of the three parts it was a success That's and great. i said yeah and i said huh i think <laughs> i want to do more and that that was really the impetus that i said i want to buy a camera i want to do more of this because it was like my creative it was my baby it was my i did everything from and it was really hard but it was just the feeling of doing it all from start to finish and crafting it and and it being just mine uh was incredible so that's how it all started and that was uh that was about four years ago and then i bought my own camera and uh got a lot better with shooting and yeah so then about two years ago i pitched the series and it took a long time to work its way through the food chain of the network and but finally um it was approved and it was supposed to launch as a weekly series uh the week after super tuesday and then you know what happened uh that <laughs> the coronavirus so um so then obviously it went on pause and uh it now launched as a five-part series initially just as how to stay safe during travel during the pandemic and then we're going to launch uh, parts here and there um, in batches following along at, through this whole journey as travel emerges again and um, as we all get the vaccine and and as travel changes and, and everything that's going to happen over. So it's going to be a really interesting progression. Yeah, I mean, we've been enjoying watching it and um, especially the one that you did on how hotels are offering coronavirus tests to their guests. And I think it's a, such a great way to attract international travelers who are a little scared by the fact you can go to the hotel and get the test and have good time, you know, while you're staying. So do you see any other health and safety innovations happening in the travel industry that you see? A uh, lot. Uh, the hotels in, in every aspect of the industry, uh, the airlines are, are coming up with innovations all the time uh, in terms of uh, now they're uh, Delta introducing contact tracing and routes where they're um, they're doing the, the, the testing before you get on the plane. So you're ensured that everyone on the plane is tested and there is already a lot of innovation and there's going to be a lot more. Uh, so it has been really interesting to be on the, the, the front end of that and learning about what hotels are doing, restaurants are doing, um, the airline industry is doing, and, and they're coming up with stuff all the time. And there will be so much more innovation as we, as we go forward. Well, staying more down to earth for a second, uh, in one of your other Travel Tuesday stories, Airbnb said that 60% of Americans are interested in booking stays that are within driving distance of where they live. So road trips are definitely having a moment. Uh, what other travel trends are you seeing in the next couple months? Yeah, a lot of heading back to nature, uh, RV trips, um, 
a lot of uh, just uh, getting away from people. Um, uh, there's been a reemergence of uh, renting your own cabin, renting your own home, families, uh, and extended family. That's uh, that's uh, that had already started to become a big thing, big extended family trips. But that's become even more so. And and then it used to be that the family would do something um, extravagant all together and, and it would be much more public, but now it's uh, renting a house in a, in a location so that people are socially distanced from, from others. Uh, private jet travel is uh, becoming much more popular. Uh, fuel is lower price right now and uh, private jet travel has become much more affordable. So a couple families will join together and, I, this was something, of course, in the past that only the rich could afford, but now even upper middle class are going with private jet travel because it's safer um, and it's become more affordable. It really is just staying close to home and um, doing the kinds of travel that uh, we used to do in the in the 60s and the 70s and, you know, going to, say, uh, uh, in the mountains and, and going to, uh, to have campfires and like kind of more old fashioned. Mm -hmm. um, like like national parks and. Mm, yeah, national parks are, are really big right now and camping. Um glamping, uh, going into the woods, uh, lakes, mountains, anywhere that's uh, away from other people. The problem is that everyone's doing the same thing. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so everybody's all in the woods. Yeah, so, yeah, it's kind of a real issue. And it, <laughs> I was reading this one uh, story about how um, that hiking injuries are becoming um, much more uh, of a problem and rescues because these People who don't really do hiking are inexperienced and they're doing things that they probably shouldn't be. And then there's also the issue, right, that you have all the people going to the same place. So you want to go to these places that are socially distanced and not many people, but then everyone's going to the same place. <laughs> you just have to figure out the unpopular ones. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, given the uncertainty of the world, you know, if you could look into your tea leaves and read the future... What do you see on the horizon for hospitality and travel? Well, uh, unfortunately, I think there's going to be a lot of businesses that don't make it. Um, uh, I think there's going to be, un unfortunately, a lot of restaurants that won't survive. Uh, I think we've already seen that. Uh, a lot of hotels that won't be able to make it, that won't be able to uh, wait it out. I think that uh, it's going to be a, a while. Um, I think, you know, it's, Oh, incredible that we're getting the vaccines, but it's going to be a long time before they're distributed. It's, uh, as we've seen with Pfizer, the uh, initial um, outlook of when we would, how many uh, of the uh, vaccines that would be rolled out, um, it was kind of overly optimistic. And uh, it's going to take a really long time to get everyone vaccinated. And then there's also some reluctance. So I think uh, a, a lot of businesses that were maybe saying, okay, maybe I can hang on another three months, another six months, and then I'll, it'll be okay. People will be returning and I can hang on that long. But I think it's going to be even longer. So I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I think that's the realistic view that we're, it seems obvious, right? As we're 
looking at um, the rollout of the vaccines. And, and I think there's going to be more vaccines that are going to come. AstraZeneca will come and there will be others. But it's just it's, it's obvious it's just going to take a while. So I think we're looking at 2022 before really we're looking at a full return to normalcy. But then there's this whole other chunk of people who are doing well because they are not traveling and they're saving a lot of money. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of pent up demand. Exactly. And these people really, really, really want to travel. Exactly. So um, to you, Wendy, what makes a good CBS News story or segment idea? So walk us through the process of bringing the idea or segment to life. Well. For radio and TV, that's very different scenarios because with radio, you don't have to worry about the pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to worry about the video. Uh, with TV, it's all about the video. Uh, if you're thinking about pitching, the number one thing is you need to build relationships with people. Um, cold pitching is very difficult. So if I get emails from people, a lot of times I will look first, do I know this person? I'll look at the email handle and see have I dealt with this PR agency before? Who is this person? Do I have any kind of relationship with them? Um, Because that matters to me. Have I met this person? Do I know this person? Is there any basis um, of a relationship? And I can, a lot of times I can tell just from the email, like just the way they write the email. Uh, A lot of times what bugs me as a broadcaster is when they write the first line, they'll say, uh, Hey, this story, I want to bring this to your readers. Oh, I don't have readers. I have listeners and viewers, you know? So that's annoying because obviously they don't know anything about my outlet at all. And that's uh, very, then you know that they're just cutting and pasting their pitch and sending it to a million people. So it's not crafted at all to me. If you don't even know, know the difference, or you don't bother to know what I do um, or the outlets that I work for or I would be ten- that you would be potentially on, then why am I going to pay attention to your pitch? It's kind of insulting, you know? So there's that. Uh, sometimes, like, because of what I do, um, I don't have a show. I have uh, stories that I do, but I don't have like uh, a show at CBS that I do. So, but people sometimes automatically think I work at CBS. So I'm working on like one of the news shows, like I have a morning show. So it'll bug me when like a PR agency will say, Hey, uh, what about this guest for your show? Uh, What, what show is that? What show, like a chef, would you like this chef to come on your show? What show? What? What? Sh- Good question. So, all right. So that's the number one thing: is it, don't be, don't have some basic knowledge about the person that you're pitching to if you're going to cold pitch. But moreover, get relationships with some people in the media. And how do you get those relationships? Well, you can start on social media. Um, start following people that you like. Start commenting on their work. Um, it, Everyone in their community can start to build relationships with people in their community. Start with local news first. For broadcast, um, when you are not experienced on broadcast, probably you're not going to be that great on air to start because it's a learned skill to either be on the radio or, most importantly, to be on camera. That's hard. 
your first opportunity should be, and you want it to be, a local news mm-hmm. interview. You want it to be because you want time. You want it to be a smaller market than going in in a national forum and not doing very well. Anyway, if you're yeah, so if you're in say, uh, let's pick some city, uh, Des Moines. Okay, so you're in Des Moines, um, and you have a great restaurant, and and you get a lot of print coverage, but you'd love to get get some TV coverage. So. How do you do that? So first, why don't you get to know people in your market? So have an event. Invite some local TV reporters, local TV anchors to your event. Um, uh, Get to know them on social media. Become friends with them. And then I guarantee you, you'll start to perhaps get a story or at least you can pitch them. At least and have discussions. Hey, I'd love to do a story about this. Or what do you think about this? At least you can have discussions about it right. or get some feedback. Yeah. You, you need the lines of communication. Exactly. And when you're friends with people, then it's easy. And then it, that will lead automatically to your first opportunities automatically. I mean, thanks so much for sharing your tips on building relationship. The reason that we um, decided to do this podcast is we wanted to um, help you know, those individual bartenders and chefs and hoteliers and you know travel advisors and anybody who's in our industry, you know, who have a great stories in them, but they don't know how to tell the story and how to know, they don't know how to get to you. So they don't have a relationship with you yet. So your tips on, you know, uh, building the relationship through the social media and through, you know, those type of invaluable tips are great because, again, these folks, they're not used to pitching. So um, thanks for sharing the tips. Sure. Why why don't we look at uh, story ideas for a moment? Is there like a a pitch meeting in in broadcast journalism or an editorial meeting? Is the process similar or different to pitching stories in print media? Oh, we have a, I would say in every newsroom in the United States, there's a morning meeting, an editorial meeting. Uh, Usually it's at nine o'clock in the morning. So if you're pitching, um, probably you want to send an email if it's a timely pitch, which really for a broadcast, you want it to be a timely pitch. Um, it has to relate somehow to something that's going on in the world right then at that time. That's what broadcast is looking for. It has to, and I mean, right that day. And then you want to pitch it before the morning meeting. So that means before nine o'clock typically. Um, and we're not talking about a daily or weekly uh, cooking segment or um, something like a, a visit your restaurant segment, which uh, many stations do across the country. That's like an evergreen thing. But if you really don't know anyone at all um, and you're trying to get your first foray into uh, broadcast news, something that relates to something big, usually something bad, unfortunately, because that's <laughs> what news is um, happening in the world. That is sometimes how you can get your first break. And that could mean, say, uh, let's say something uh, pandemic related, something to do with indoor dining, uh, changes in, in restrictions. Uh, we're always looking in broadcast news 
how it's going to how a big story, a national story, a state level story, how it's going to relate to the community. So if you can somehow say, okay, how is this news going to impact the community? How is it going to impact business owners in in my industry um, here? Then that's what the kind of thing we're always looking for. Great. And now for the listener question segment of our podcast, we have a question from Antonio Saldana de Oliveira of Nim Hotel in Copenhagen, Denmark. And he'd like to know what steps hotels should take to safely welcome international travelers once travel restrictions are lifted. Well, uh, I think taking information, their their contact information in case there is um, an outbreak that they find out about later. Um, testing is not going to be possible uh, at every hotel. As as I did that story, it, it can be prohibitively expensive. But I think going forward, uh, that is something that we're going to see more of because the test that uh, was approved by the uh, the emergency use authorization for the the test that we can do um, at home um, that just came uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, that's going to be of great use, uh, and I think hotels might make use of that um, in the future. But that's not coming for another. I think that wasn't going to be mm, six months or something like that. So. Um, so that's not coming anytime, at least in the next couple of months. Um, but, you know, I think hotels are doing a, a really good job of, of taking all the precautions they can, really. I'm, I'm not sure that uh, there's not really anything that they can do differently. I mean, they're, they're sanitizing, they're cleaning. Um, as long as they do contact tracing, uh, if there is an outbreak, I mean, what what more can they do, really? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So um, we call our podcast Hospitality Forward because we believe in the future of our industry. Yes, we are suffering and it's very tough time, but we know our industry will come back. So in your opinion, um, Wendy, what innovation do you think that's happening right now should continue to move our travel and hospitality forward. I I think the hospitality industry is is going to come back blazing. I don't know. I it's 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 going to be such an interesting journey to see how it all changes. Um and I know the media industry will be so forever changed and we will not have the same footprint certainly in our buildings. Uh going forward. CBS has already said we will uh, have a hybrid um, model going forward in terms of working from home and going into the building. And I think that's going to be very common. And I don't, I don't know how that will affect um, restaurants specifically, because that's going to change in New York City, for instance, I've thought a lot about that. Like, how is that going to change restaurants in Midtown if people are not going into Midtown as often? Then how is it? How is how are the restaurants in Midtown going to be supported? Are they going to be as supported if people aren't going into, say, the heart of New York City as as much? Um, but I think the innovative things is you know like uh, um, being able to get great gourmet meals at home, I think was one innovation that I've 
quite enjoyed. And, and I think maybe that that will be something that continues being able to get alcohol uh, <laughs> to go um, and great cocktails to go um, and uh, gourmet meals um, at home and, and cocktails and that sort of thing. Um, I think that'll probably stick around. Mm-hmm. We agree. And we've done that a lot of them. We've taken full advantage yes, of the loosening of the uh, regulations. <laughs> yeah. So what, one, one parting question. Where can our listeners find you? Uh, well, Instagram is Wendy Gillette NY. And for radio, uh, CBS Radio uh, News is um, the app that you can uh, download on uh, all the uh, the app stores. And then you can just listen here and there and eventually I'll pop on. Now, our hourly newscasts and our uh, bottom of the hour reports are uh, always on there. And if, if they want to pitch a story idea to you, what's the best uh, means? Um, email is good. It's uh, wgillette at cbs.com. But remember, keep in mind <laughs> that I do get a lot of pitches. And it is always good to build a relationship first. And I think the most important thing is remember that on a national scale, your story has to really uh, resonate with a national audience and really has to be important to a national audience. So you have to really think, okay, is this story really important on a national level or is mm-hmm. this story, and you have to be honest with yourself, is this story better on a local level, a regional level? Is it really a national story? And ask yourself that and be honest, be honest with yourself because everyone, everyone thinks, my story is so important, but you have to be honest. You, you you have to be honest. Is it really a national story? Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> but then also, also, I know you get a lot of emails. So if somebody put hospitality forward podcast and then have a subject line, would you please open that email for our listeners? I will I will at least open it and I will tr- I will definitely try to respond and I will at least Thank try you. to give some feedback on the pitch. That would be so good. Again, you know, these industry folks are not PR professionals. So, you know, they're going to do their best to tell their story. But if you can share a tip or two, even personal level, that will mean so much to them. So, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to do if you're not working with a PR agency. It's hard sometimes to craft a good pitch. It really is because Mm -hmm. you don't have the same. You're competing with people who do this for a living. And it is it is difficult. But if you if you can tell a good story and you do have a good story, a compelling story, then perhaps there is something there. But definitely you want to think about why it matters to other people. Everyone's everyone's story is important to them. Of course, it's your life. It is everything to you. But you have to think about why does this matter to other people and not just other people in your industry. Remember that a lot of times when you're pitching to the media, you're pitching to a general audience. It's not just hospitality. It's not just the bar community. It's not just the restaurant community. It is everyone. So you have to think when you're pitching to an editor or uh, a broadcaster or a producer or whoever it is, um, you're, you're going to be look, they're going to be looking at it with a general perspective, unless it's a very a segmented audience like, uh, you know, an industry magazine or something like that, then that's something different. But it, generally, it's going to be more of a general audience. So I'm going to be looking at it. Does this matter to a general audience? Which means it has to be more of a general topic. Yes. 
Great advice. So, Wendy, this has been so great, and and thank you so much for your time and um, sharing your insights and tips um, with our listeners. And um, hopefully, we we'll see you very soon and share a meal or two together in person. I hope, yes, I hope so too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. What a chat. Wendy is truly a multitasking superwoman. Now that you know what interests Wendy, please pitch her your timely story ideas with a national audience in mind. And also, when you reach out to Wendy, please remember to mention Hospitality Forward podcast in the subject line of your email. As Wendy said, she will make sure to give it a read. Now, before we announce next week's media guest. We'd like to share our weekly HLC Innovation Report from our agency, Hanalee Communications. It spotlights five game changers, fearless leaders, and exciting trends that are moving hospitality forward. Let's get started. Number one, what we are reading this week. Our agency celebrates book authors we admire through our hashtag #AskTheAuthor series. This week, we are reading. Behind the bar, 50 cocktail recipes from the world's most iconic hotels by Alia Akam. Check out at HLC Book Media on Instagram for our full interview on how Alia and Hardy Grant Books brought her book to life. Number two, who we are honoring this week: Daniela Curiel, Engagement Manager of Pernod Ricard USA. Her inspiring motto is: "Spend all your energy on what makes you extraordinary." Well said, Daniela. Each week we celebrate pioneering women via our digital channels. So check out HanaleeCommunications.com for over 250 women's words of wisdom. Number three, what we are celebrating this week: the Bathtub Whiskey Pop-Up in New York City by Bathtub Gins Dave Oz and head bartender Brandon Bartley. Starting this week, the two-month pop-up brings this beloved Chelsea Speakeasy Bar to the financial district with whiskey-focused cocktails, gin and tonics, and bacon and whiskey pairing flights. This cozy spot is definitely worth checking out. Number four, what podcast we are listening to this week? A Hotel Life, hosted by Ben Pundell. Ben recently interviewed Ian Schrager, the legendary hotelier behind the edition. The public hotels and others. Amidst the pandemic, Ian shares his wise advice that we have to look at this as an opportunity of a new beginning in everything. Give it a listen to hear Ian's inspiring insights on the future of hospitality. Number five, who is inspiring us this week? Tony Abu Ghanem, a master mixologist, book author, and leading light of the cocktail renaissance. Tony is also the founder of the Helen David Relief Fund at the USBG National Charity Foundation that supports bartenders battling breast cancer. This fall, he led Team Negroni to cycle 4,000 miles and raised $50,000 for this worthy cause. Thanks, Tony, for your continued support of the industry and this meaningful initiative. Stay tuned for next week's Innovation Report. We have a lot of exciting media guests in the pipeline for our upcoming episodes, so please subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app. Please leave a review and tell your friends and colleagues. In our next episode, we chat with Devra Leftov, a freelance writer for the New York Times, Vogue, Thrill List, and many other top outlets. 
Tune in to listen to this very thoughtful journalist and learn how to tell your story. See you next week. Until then, join us as we move hospitality forward together.